You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Paranormal Pets is brought to you by Dog.com. For everything and anything dog, shop Dog.com today for all the top brands. Greenies, Frontline, Kong, Nylabone, Royal Canin, and more. Shop at Dog.com and use the promo code SADPETS, S-A-D-P-E-T-S, and get $15 off your order of $75 or more. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back because you don't have a cat and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters. Ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion. With a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, our ghost host. Welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark, and in our very last episode of Paranormal Pets for 2010, I can't believe it, I thought that we would take a look at maybe some good luck symbols and augury and auspices, uh, divination through the use of animals, uh, as we stare down the oncoming year of 2011. I don't know about the rest of you, but usually when the new year starts, I want to know how it is going to go. So I thought I'd give you a few insights through the use of your animal friends and uh, you can even maybe spice up your home by adding a few good luck symbols as well. So we will actually get started with that right after these messages. Now time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Celebrate your special occasion and give her this classic semi-eternity band created with one carat brilliant diamonds channel set in 14 carat white gold. Exclusively yours from ice.com. Free shipping over $150, free returns, and 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to ice.com and use promo code ACTFP and get 20% off your purchase. Or use promo code ADTFP and get 20% off at diamond.com. Ice.com or diamond.com. Get 20% off from Pet Life Radio. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. 
Go to PetMeds.com forward slash paranormal to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. There's a movement afoot. ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code PARANORMAL at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best Bets for Pets, every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back. I'm your host, Brandy Stark. And I do want to start off this episode, before we go too much further, in saying that I hope that your winter holidays were wonderful. Uh, your Bodhi Day, Christmas, Yule, Saturnalia, Hanukkah, uh, whatever holiday that you celebrated, I hope it was a fantastic one and that you and yours uh, had a very prosperous, healthy, comfortable, and happy uh, holiday season. Now, as we are starting off, I thought that we would take a look at a few lucky animal signs. I don't know how many of you know this, but the first is the bat. The bat, believe it or not, is a Chinese good luck symbol. It symbolizes a long and happy life. That may be because the word for bat in China is fu, which is a homonym of good luck. So you can actually wear bat ambulance or pendants as protection against poor luck and as a sign to welcome joy and good fortune. Kind of interesting. I actually have a friend who collects bats, so I'll have to let her know that it really is a good luck symbol. The second is the bear. The bear is kind of an unusual one, but there's a theory that said because if you kill a bear, you have enough meat to feed an entire village. It is considered extremely lucky by North American native Indian tribes, ancient Siberian clans, and ancient migrants around Alaska. The bear was thought to have supernatural powers because of its miraculous ability to sustain itself and its large mass, plus giving birth during the long winter months while hibernating. In Scandinavian lore, uh, the bear is an incarnation of the god Odin. Interestingly enough, just so you know, Odin is also connected with the Nordic version of Santa Claus, and uh, accordingly, uh, Odin in the ancient world used to come down in the form of an old man and sometimes give out winter food to people who needed it. And it is believed that from Odin, Santa Claus gained the ability to fly. So if you ever wondered how jolly old Saint Nick fit down your chimney, that may be part of it. He's actually an Odin uh, version, uh, kind of translated over here. So after the bear, 
Interestingly enough, we have the beetle. In specific, the Egyptian scarab beetle. It represents luck in the form of solar power. The sun, sun was huge for ancient Egyptians. If you haven't learned anything, particularly dealing with cats, the sun is incredibly important. It was definitely needed for crops, and uh, kind of an interesting thing because if you have too little sun, there are no crops. If you have too much sun, there are no crops. So it's all about balance. Scarabs utilize the power of the sun by rolling up their eggs in mud or dung. The hot sun actually bakes these little mud balls and actually incubates their eggs. So it's lucky for its ingenuity and it is also a symbol of rebirth into a new dawn of life. The bull is lucky and in fact one of these days I'm going to do a paper on bulls because of their uh, connection with Greek, Egyptian, East Indian, and Celtic cultures. Uh, it embodies the attributes of virility, strength, and good health. To the ancient mind, the bull was a provider, the power of sustenance. Uh, the Greeks recognized the bull as good luck in matters of love and fertility. And in case you don't know, Jupiter or Zeus actually took the form of a bull to uh, seduce Europa. You had the birth of the Minotaur because uh, a sacred bull was not sacrificed. And so the gods punished the queen by giving her a lust for this sacred bull. So you actually have this idea of bulls quite predominantly. By wearing the bull as a pendant or brooch, the Greeks believed that they could harness the libido of the bull as, and believed that they would be blessed with large families as well as successful agricultural endeavors. Wow, we can only hope. <laughs> so, crickets. Crickets. On a warm, calm night, the cricket song is lulling and augurs a sense of comfort and companionship. The Chinese recognized this kind of harmony in the cricket and considered it good luck along with many other cultures. Its luck comes into play in matters of protection. Crickets are good as guard dogs. When company comes, cricket song stops, thus alerting attention to potential intruders. Cricket amulets are found in ancient cultures of Europe and the Middle East as good luck symbols, protective icons, and also representations of rebirth, probably based on the cricket's uh, metamorphosis process. Now, I do find that rather interesting because who is the most famous cricket of all? It is Jimmy, right? Jimmy the Cricket from Pinocchio. And of course, what did he really serve as but uh, a protector for this uh, pseudo boy? Uh, even if it is Disney, and we all know that Disney is, well, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> anyway, uh, how about the deer? The deer is known for its endurance, grace, long life, and it is a Chinese symbol for luck and longevity. The word for deer in Chinese is lu, a homonym of the word income. Consequently, the deer represents a prosperous long life. In Chinese art, the deer is depicted with court officials. It is said that this signifies a wish for fame, recognition, and a long, successful career. Now, I do find it interesting as well because the deer is sometimes shown uh, with Shiva and it represents the mind and the ability of the mind to be very still and beautiful and peaceful and the ability of the mind to take off in a second. Uh, twig snaps, that deer is gone. The elephant, speaking of India, and the Rig Veda, a collection of Vedic Sanskrit hymns, the elephant is described as the only animal who has a hand. It represents giving and receiving, 
and is therefore a symbol of good luck, fortune, and wealth in India. Another reason that the elephants were owned by only the wealthiest families uh, of India represents that ability to give and receive wealth. It is a status symbol. They're very expensive and very hard actually to maintain. If you are going to get an elephant icon, remember that the trunk of the elephant must be up. I actually have some of those amulets here. Frog. In many ancient cultures, the frog is associated with rain. Rain is good luck for agriculture, and so the frog is on the list of good luck symbols. It's also a lucky symbol in matters of fertility, uh, transformation, and travel. I don't know if you've studied the goddess Nept, but uh, she was a frog-headed goddess, and she was a goddess of fertility. The goldfish. Ah, now I don't have any goldfish right now, but I've had them in the past. I just have tropical fish. Maybe they'll count. The goldfish brings good luck in the terms of tranquility, wisdom, and long life. It is among the eight sacred symbols of the Buddha, where they represent fertility, abundance, and harmony with the flow of life. Ancient Greeks believed goldfish enhanced good luck in marriage and relationships. In ancient Egypt, goldfish were kept in the house as lucky omens for the family and helped cheer up domestic situations. The horse. The horse we've talked about before, and actually the demon horse is still one of my very favorite episodes. Uh, in fact, the other day we were talking about horse sculpture and the demon horse of Colorado came up and I was actually able to tell them the story about how it's supposed to be haunted because the statue broke apart and crushed the artist and severed his veins. Uh, very morbid considering I'm also an artist and I greatly fear that for my own statues, but interesting nonetheless. But I'm happy to say the horse has a positive connotation. And of course it is uh, good luck because it has really contributed to the civilization of, of humankind. Uh, many a battle has been won with the aid of the horse, many a kingdom built by the power of the horse. It's no wonder that countless cultures deem it lucky. It is also the symbol of power, will, beauty, and industry. Uh, for the lizard people out there, lizards are lucky. They are primarily nocturnal. It was considered good luck in protecting from unseen things in life. This makes the uh, lizard a lucky symbol for vision, both physical and psychic. Lizards are extremely cautious too, and when our forefathers and mothers saw a lizard scurrying by, it was a sign that they might want to scurry along too, because lizards were likely escaping predators like snakes. Now it is interesting because living in Florida, we have lizards. So uh, I actually have a friend who collects those too. I have to let her know it's a good luck symbol. Pigs. Now again, I think we've discussed pigs on and off because they're one of those liminal state beings. They consume the dead and therefore they are associated with death, but it's also good luck. The Chinese and the Irish craft lucky charms born from the image of pigs. Chinese lore indicates a pig brings good luck for business. As far as lucky pigs in Ireland, we can look to the Celtic legend in which Mahanan had a nifty herd of regenerating pigs. The herd never diminished, and there's a legend that they even healed themselves too. It might be why the Irish icon of a pig isn't lucky unless it's missing a bit like an ear or a leg, perhaps harkening back to the self-generating pig herd. Now it is interesting because I used to have one of these and I don't know where it went, but the three-legged pig is also considered a good luck sign from South America. And in fact, I had a replica of a uh, official three-legged pig 
I always thought that was kind of interesting because my assumption initially was that if you were a pig with three legs, it meant you escaped a trap. Uh, you know, you were still lucky to be around. But perhaps it actually is some sort of uh, connection here as well. Pigs are actually quite smart. The rabbit. We're not talking the rabbit's foot. Uh, rabbits are lucky. They are considered extremely auspicious in matters of childbirth and fertility. Ever wonder about the Easter Bunny? It's a throwback from fertility rites for Oester, a hair-headed goddess derived from ancient Saxon people who would hail the blessed beginning of every spring. If you just endure months of barren winter, the sign of the rabbit and the coming of spring was lucky indeed. Now, I will tell you that when it comes to the lucky rabbit's foot, first of all, that is not lucky for the rabbit. But if you have a lucky rabbit's foot, let me specify what makes it lucky. It has to be shot under a full moon by a cross-eyed hunter using a rifle. If you think about it, if you're cross-eyed and you're looking down a rifle, you have to have really good straight vision. A cross-eyed individual would not. The full moon is almost always a sign of fertility and fullness anyway. I mean, that's almost a universal Jungian idea. But if the farmer or the hunter hits the rabbit and he is cross-eyed, then the only way he could have possibly hit that rabbit was through extreme good luck. So if you happen to have a lucky rabbit's foot and it does not say shot by cross-eyed hunter Farmer Bob, uh, then it probably really isn't that lucky. So save the rabbits, don't buy the foot. Heck, if you're going to get the foot, you might as well get the whole rabbit to go with it. So I remember, by the way, there are rabbit rescues out there. Spiders. Actually, I have to share this with a friend of mine because uh, all he says is how much he hates spiders, and I don't think that's a fair assessment. Spiders are associated with good luck for many cultures because, uh, oh, this is interesting. In fact, spiders are attributed to saving the life of Christ as an infant. Apparently, the Holy Family needed a hideout to elude Herod. They hid in a cave, and spiders wove a thick web at the entrance of the cave, making it appear abandoned and icky, so Herod avoided looking for the Christ child in this cave altogether. Superstition insists it's unlucky to kill a spider, and that's true. So, as I said, I have a friend who says, oh, spiders are hideous, and I'd kill them, and I say, well, no, you should not do that. Uh, You should take the spider outside and let it go, and he says, well, If the situation was reversed, the spider wouldn't do me that favor, and I have to argue back and say you're judging a spider by human standards. Judge a spider by the standards of a spider. So anyway, just remember, if you see a spider, it is is actually bad luck to kill them. You are supposed to take them outside. So those are just a few symbols for you to deal with and to work into your new year. Hopefully they will bring you some good luck. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. When we get back, we will We'll talk about augers and auspices right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. from experience feels like home for her 
Enter the codes PARANORMAL and save 10% on orders of $65 or more, plus free shipping at Petco.com. FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's seven-day satisfaction guarantee. For a century, people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD. Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to florop.com and use the code PARAPETS at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P dot com, code word P-A-R-A-P-E-T-S. Question, what do I want? What do I need? I'll take a back shot. I reach a mention. I need time. I need love. I crave attention. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back. Wow, those were a lot of good luck symbols to take a look at. Sadly enough, the rat is not among them. Although I do know that some symbols, uh, rat, or actually some cultures, rats are considered lucky. Things like pack rats are a sign of wealth. Other cultures say that they're a sign of pestilence and death. Details, I don't think so. And yet other cultures say that they're a sign of the devil himself. And I completely disagree with that. Uh, my little darlings are definitely not demonic. Uh, they're naughty, yes, but evil, no. Anyway... 
As we move on, auspices and augurs. This is actually a really fascinating thing. It does harken back to the ancient cultures. Uh, we do know that the searching for auspices and augurs is definitely, actually it predates ancient Greece. It goes back to the ancient Egyptians. Apparently there are papers from Amarna, which is uh, Akhenaten's uh, time period and reign, uh, most likely, maybe earlier, in which there is a call for an eagle diviner. So we're talking uh, 14th century BCE. They're already utilizing birds to determine the future. We do know that by the time we hit the Greeks in the Iliad and Odyssey, Agamemnon does employ an augur. This is a man who reads the flight of birds. And he also employs somebody who reads the entrails of animals. And personally, not my favorite, but uh, I'd rather let the bird fly away than kill it and cut it open and look at its liver to determine my fate. But okay. And one culture that was really, really into augury and auspices were the Romans. Uh, a lot of people don't realize just how superstitious the Romans really, really were. And they were. They were very incredibly superstitious. When it comes to auspice, an auspice is literally one who looks at birds. It's a diviner who reads omens from the observed flight of birds. Uh, the type of augur actually depends. There are five major types of auspices which actually divided into two major colleges. So just bear with me here. The five different types of auspice. The first one was ex Caelio, which meant uh, observing thunder and lightning, meteors, unusual astrological phenomena, anything from the sky. For example, Jupiter would send down thunder and lightning, and the Romans would actually call a committee to discuss this, believe it or not. Ex avibus, the uh, auspices were typically bird signs, but not all birds were considered sacred. There are two classes of birds, the Ausanes, who gave auspices via their singing, and these were usually ravens, crows, owls, and hens. And then you had uh, the Alites, uh, vultures, and uh, eagles, who gave auspices based on how they flew. And actually, you, you do find Avis Senqualis, also called the Ossifraga, as a bird of omen. Then you have extripitus, which basically meant watching the eating patterns of fowl. And this one I find very interesting. This was primarily military. But before military expedition, what would happen is a chicken, in particular, would be in a cage. And before they were getting ready to do an expedition, they would open the cage door and put the cage on the ground, and they would toss out like breadcrumbs or cake crumbs, and they would observe the chicken. If the chicken refused to leave its cage or eat, if it flapped its wings or if it squawked, I guess is the best way to say it, or flew away, that's a really bad sign. And they would actually postpone their civic service. If the bird ate, and in particular, if it ate kernels and it dropped a kernel, this was really seen as a good sign. And I, I never fully understood why, but that was one thing that they actually did do. You have ex quadrupedibus, which are four-footed animals. And interestingly enough, these could include serpents, which I find very unique. I, last time I observed them, serpents did not have feet, but you just smile and nod and say, okay, ancient Romans, you're absolutely right. Basically, these were things like horses, foxes, wolves, dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that was 
pretty much it. Uh, but they would, they could run across somebody's path, they could do something abnormal, they could appear in an odd spot, behave, you know, in a strange way, and all of those are actually considered signs. And the last one is the exodereus, which basically is any form of augury that does not fit in the other four categories. So tripping, uh, actually you still find that in primal tribal and indigenous uh, religions today. Getting sick, sneezing, coughing. Actually with these types of divination, I would have to say that we still have some descendants. For example, seeing a raven is still considered a death omen. A stork is considered a fertility omen. A cat crossing your path is something that brings bad luck. and. Actually, I'm thinking things like, if your nose itches, doesn't that mean you're either going to get money? If your ears are burning, somebody's talking about you? You know, we, we still have these today. We just don't recognize them as uh, forms of divination and augury. Anyway, there were two types of auspices that were actually subcategories or colleges of these five types. And one was the type that was requested, so you prayed to the gods for a sign and they gave you one. And the second type was uh, basically the gods were giving you a sign and you didn't ask for it. So I find that to be kind of an interesting thing. I mean, that really opens that field way, way up. Now we do know that one of the very famous auger stories, just to show you how important these were, belonged to Romulus and Remus. Romulus and Remus were twin brothers who were the illegitimate children, unfortunately, of Mars and of a Vestal Virgin that Mars overtook and raped. They basically, uh, the mother was killed, the babies were put into a basket, tossed into a river, floated upstream, were suckled by a she-wolf, found and adopted by shepherds, and then ultimately became the founders of Rome. Kind of an interesting story. Now, if you look at these two boys, they are absolutely fascinating because they actually represent the Cain and Abel, the Iphicles and Hercules, the, wow, any form of twin brother that you can think of, uh, Esau and Jacob would be another one, in which you literally had warring siblings. So, as children, they stuck together to survive. As adults, they, they didn't get along too well. And one of the first arguments that they had was actually over their own fate, their own future, and that was the founding of Rome. Romulus wanted to found Rome on the Palatine Hill, whereas Remus wanted to found Rome on the Aventine Hill, which he thought would be better fortified. So the two boys agreed to basically have the gods send them a sign. So what they did was they sat slightly apart from each other and each looked towards his hill. Remus saw six vultures. Romulus saw 12 vultures. And because the vulture is also the bird of Mars, it, this was actually a divine uh, interpretation. And this basically meant that um, Romulus won. Now, I do find the story to be quite interesting because as with Esau and Jacob, Cain and Abel, Hercules and Iphicles, you know, these warring brothers, yeah, didn't get along so well to the extent that at the end, interestingly enough, Romulus and Remus built two, two different cities. And Romulus kind of kicks Remus out. They have a disagreement. And Remus jumps the wall to Rome. He jumps back into the city. And Remus... Well, he doesn't fare too well. Romulus is so enraged that he comes and he actually kills his brother, Cain and Abel. And the interesting aspect is that 
Romulus was thereafter haunted by the spirit of his dead twin. So we've got a ghost story attached to Augury. You got you had to know that was coming into this episode somewhere. We were going to find a way to introduce ghosts. But what I find so fascinating is that Romulus was so upset at being haunted by his dead brother that he asked for help and he was instructed to actually build a festival. They were going to do funerary ceremonies for Remus. And these were huge events. I mean, you would sacrifice animals, you'd have a feast, you had contests. It was a very, very big to-do. And that did quiet his spirit. And these festivals ultimately evolved over time. Uh, The funerary games were enacted yearly, and then they ultimately became a festival, and they ultimately became known as either the Lemuria or the Remuria, which is kind of a, a celebration of the dead. Uh, Not quite Halloween, but definitely has that deathly aspect to it. So, very, very intriguing. Now, uh, depending on what you're looking at, bird augury can be rather tricky. You do have to know the sounds that birds make. And you'd also have to be able to observe the flight patterns. Uh, Usually birds that, for example, in the Iliad or Odyssey, were shown with prey, an eagle that had caught a rabbit or a snake. This was usually seen as a good sign if the eagle flew away with the prey. But if the prey turned and bit the eagle, for example, if a snake uh, was caught by an eagle and it slithered up, bit the eagle, and killed it, obviously that's a bad sign. Depending on where the bird was flying was also significant. So if it was flying to the left or the right of the observer, uh, up or down, I mean, all of these were very, very big factors. So I hope this kind of whets your appetite just a little bit, gives you some ideas for the new year, and uh, I sincerely hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I do want to wish you all a very happy new year as we close out 2010. Don't forget to support your rescues. Please, please, please. Uh, There are so many, many needy animals. It'd be a great thing to start out the new year by adopting a new pet. I know personally I am looking for baby hairless rats. Uh, I do not believe in breeding my own rats, so I, I am on the lookout for them. If you know of any in Florida, particularly closer to Central Florida area, send me an email, let me know. But and these guys are just so much fun that I just don't want to ever be without them. So anyway, happy new year. Happy 2011. I hope you and yours celebrate greatly, safely, happily. Give your pets a love and prepare for the upcoming adventure. Take care. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.